Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. Listen and enjoy this latest episode as Pastor Tim answers your sincere questions. Here's Pastor Tim. On this episode of Bible Bashed, we'll begin a series on sanctification called How Do I Change? In order to do this series, one of the things that we'll do is we're going to have a series of episodes uh, that are basically walking through some fundamental principles of sanctification that can be applied to any area of sanctification in general. Uh, so what we're going to do this week is we're going to be talking about how do you define change. Now, you live in a world right now where change is significantly rare. Now, we obviously are living in a society that believes that individuals can fundamentally and radically change uh, the very nature of who we are, uh, so much so that we can, you know, basically, if you're a man, you believe that you're uh, basically uh, a woman trapped in a man's body or something along those lines that you can transition your gender. Uh, but the reality is that uh, real change is exceedingly rare, and we all seem to know that it's exceedingly rare. Now, despite the fact that we may pretend to be a different gender or something along those lines, when it comes right down to it, we all realize that if you are an individual who is born a man, uh, just, you know, growing your hair out, putting on some makeup, putting on a dress, and putting some pieces of plastic on you and chopping things off doesn't actually make you a woman. You can't fundamentally change who you are to your core. Uh, if you're an individual who's insecure about your appearance, one of the things you'll realize is that you can stare at the mirror all day long, but your reflection is going to stare right back at you, and there really isn't a whole lot that you can do about it. Uh, you can't change fundamentally who you are in that kind of way. But then the psychologists tell us essentially that we are who we are and our personality is essentially fixed and you can't really change who your personality is. You know, if you're an introvert, you're going to be an introvert. If you're an extrovert, you're going to be an extrovert. And all these categories uh, fundamentally that are meant to define different types of uh, human beings, they're basically fixed and we, we are who we are. Now, if you look around at the world, uh, one of the things you'll realize is that people typically, I mean, there's some insight to what the psychologists are saying at this point, even though it's short-sighted, but people typically are who they are. So, you know, if you have a loved one who is engaged in certain 
habits or practices that you find morally repugnant, uh, one of the things you'll realize is that they're going to engage in those practices and there really isn't much you can do about it. If you're living with a loved one who has a temper, you know how often have you uh, seen individuals like that who are characterized by angry outbursts who essentially they'll have periods of time where they're nice and kind and then they'll go back to their temper and fundamentally they don't seem to be all that different. The temper remains and there's just you know periods of uh, pausing in between uh, as it relates to those temper problems that don't seem to go away but they, they are fundamentally who they are. If you have individuals in your life who are engaged in sloth or have a lack of self-control as it relates to their lifestyle, if they're a bit of a couch potato, if they're overweight, uh, it's very rare. I mean, despite all the, you know, radical transformation stories that you're going to see on the internet in actual real life, it's very rare to see individuals all of a sudden start to adopt healthy lifestyle choices and fundamentally uh, go from being significantly overweight to being reasonably proportioned and in shape. I mean, it really is a fairly rare phenomenon. It really doesn't happen very often. It's something that you can look around the world and you see that people who are who they are. Uh, if you're an individual who spends most of your time uh, dominated by entertainment, uh, then you know how hard is it to put on different habits? How hard is it to you know, start learning to desire to read? books and things like that. I mean, in fact, I mean, most people who are addicted to entertainment at that point, trying to get them to learn how to read, it's just fundamentally, it's just so hard because you have an attention span of a goldfish and it's just very difficult to sit down and to concentrate on uh, something uh, for any significant length of time when you're watching uh, types of entertainment, which are basically training you to have to have uh, different forms of stimulation every few seconds. I mean, uh, you know, if you go back and you watch old movies at this point, you'll realize that the scene changes were very infrequent compared to what they are today. And I mean, you have to have a scene change every few seconds in order to keep people's attention going. And you imagine like how hard it is for an individual trained with that kind of attention span to sit down and to read words on a page, whether they're good words like in the Bible or just words in general. And is very difficult. You know, individuals who are readers, they typically like to read. If they learn to read early on, they'll keep on reading. Individuals who never prioritize that, they won't. Uh, individuals who you know, never knew what it's like to diet or exercise or put on good habits, like as it relates to taking care of themselves physically, they seem to just get bigger and bigger as time goes on. Uh, you know, individuals who are characterized by gossip, you know, like you can imagine like the older gossipy woman who basically at this point in her life, she's spent her whole entire life gossiping and now she's got to a point where she's just a bitter old woman that is filled with complaints. And I mean, you can all imagine uh, scenarios just like the one I'm describing. And if you have any kind of self-awareness about the nature of sin in your own life, uh, one of the things that you'll realize is that even thinking about the sins in your own life, it's so difficult to put on new habits. It's so difficult to try to change fundamentally who you are and these things which seem to so characterize you. And so if you're going to talk about a study on how do you change, uh, one of the things that you need to do besides just acknowledging the difficulty in general of changing is to define the kind of change that you're talking about. Uh, so uh, when the Bible talks about change, uh, the Bible has a bit of a realistic perspective of how difficult 
uh, change actually is. And, and it goes so far as to say that change fundamentally for the unbeliever is absolutely impossible. Uh, but then the type of change that the Bible declares to be fundamentally impossible is a specific type of change in general. Uh, so Jeremiah 13, 23 will say, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard change his spots? Then also, can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil? Uh, John 8, 34, Jesus answered them and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in his house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And John, or Jesus tells us in his high priestly prayer, which, prayer, which is recorded in John, Apart from me, you can do nothing, but through me, you can bear much fruit. Uh, so when you talk about biblical change, the kind of change that we should be pursuing or what might be described as sanctification, which is the do- uh, doctrine essentially of a Christian basically progressively being conformed to the image of Jesus over the course of their life. Uh, putting on biblical change is not only hard and not only rare, but it's, a pos- it's impossible apart from God's grace. And so we need to talk. We need to try to define the kind of change that we're talking about here. And the kind of change that we're going to talk about in the course of our study is going to be the type of change that involves uh, trying to seek to live to the glory of God uh, over and against just making wise, helpful uh, habits or practices. Now, when you talk about just making wise or helpful habits or practices in general, like trying to, you know, get in better shape or, you know, lose a little weight or, you know, stop. Uh, spending your so much of your time doing worthless things and you know maybe learn a new hobby or learn a new skill it still remains to be the case that you know change in general even in these areas that are not necessarily moral in nature it seems to be very rare uh, but the kind of change that we're going to talk about is the kind of change where an individual seeks to go from an individual who doesn't glorify God with their life and, and, and changing into putting on godly habits, putting off godly, uh, ungodly habits, putting on godly habits, and, and, and trying to uh, put to death the sin which uh, remains in their own heart and their own life and put on uh, godliness, righteousness, self-control. And so we're going to talk about what it means to follow God and what it means to kill the remaining sin in our own heart and our own life. And so the kind of change we're talking about at this point is biblical change. Now, uh, when you talk about biblical change, surely, you know, it might be uh, for many individuals a component of, of biblical change, a helpful, uh, godly uh, habits and practices might involve you know, some of the things I mentioned, like losing weight, getting in shape getting on a Bible reading plan, some of these things like that, like learning not to be so much of a couch potato, uh, couch potato uh, learning to redeem the time for the days are evil. Certainly, you know, biblical change does involve how we spend our time, things we put inside of us, how much we move. <laughs> Certainly it involves these things, but fundamentally you can, you can pursue change for a variety of different reasons. You can pursue change uh, that's fundamentally going to be self-centered, basically, uh, now, there's many people who go on a, some sort of weight loss journey so that they can feel better about themselves and so that they uh, you know, don't have to be so insecure and so that they can have more self-esteem and all this stuff. And uh, certainly, you know, in that kind of way, there's been a great many people who try to do exactly that kind of thing and they find that they're failing because they're not pursuing a biblical change for the right kind of reason. Uh, but they are pursuing change. They're just not pursuing it for the right kind of reason. And if we don't pursue change for the right reason, 
with the right motivation, God has a way of standing um, in opposition uh, towards us. But then for the purpose of our study, we're going to be talking about pursuing biblical change. How do we pursue biblical change? And biblical change involves uh, uh, putting off certain behaviors, thoughts, emotions that are unpleasing to God and learning to put on you know, certain specific thoughts, actions, behaviors, and emotions which are going to seek to honor the Lord. And really, there is no more uh, fundamental master key, if you want to put it that way, to sanctification than learning to live to the glory of God. And so the type of change that we're going to talk about over the course of these um, series in general is going to be the type of change that's devoted to uh, helping an individual to pursue sanctification by God's power, for God's glory, uh, through his enabling, in reliance upon him. Uh, and so we're going to talk about pursuing biblical change in that way. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.